Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do I really have to stand up for truth? I mean, I'm a good Catholic. I go to Mass every Sunday. I say some prayers. I even listen to Catholic podcasts. I'm doing a pretty good job, but do I really have to stand up for truth? Especially in our culture today with all those hot-button moral issues like the definition of marriage or abortion. I mean, I don't want to have to stand up for truth. I mean, I believe and I do my own thing, but if other people want to believe differently and live their own way, I mean, I guess that's fine for them, right? I mean, they can just make up their own truth. Why do I have to stand up for truth? I don't want people to label me as a bigot or think of me as intolerant or judgmental. Do I really have to stand up for truth? Well, my friends, Jesus put us in, in this world and he put people in our lives so that we can make a difference, that we can love them, uh, that we can really let Christ's light shine through us. He does not want your light to be put under a bushel basket. He wants your light to shine the light of his love and the light of his truth. You need to know that there was a man in the Bible, a famous man who didn't want to stand up for truth. He was afraid of standing up for truth, and he made some very tragic decisions on Good Friday. And that man is Pontius Pilate. He knew Jesus was innocent. He knew the truth, but he didn't stand up for the truth. And Jesus, an innocent man, was sent off to be crucified. You see, that's what happens when we fail to stand up for truth. Other people will suffer. Other people will suffer. We fail to stand up for the truth. Our light won't shine and our culture will just get darker and darker and other people will suffer because of our lack of courage. Uh, when we fail to stand up for truth in the people in our lives, in our family, our coworkers, our friends, they may suffer. We may hurt them because we are failing to stand up for the truth. And I think we have to really remember what Jesus said. He said, the truth will set us free. So let's be free. Let's be free to live in the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to look at in this week's podcast. And I want to welcome you all to All Things Catholic. And I'm your host, Edward Sree. And I want to welcome especially any new listeners. Thanks for joining us today. I was just looking at my calendar today and I couldn't believe it. I mean, we we here we are uh, almost at Lent already. Can you believe that Lent is about a month away? I mean, we just finished Christmas, it feels like, right? I, uh, I have to be honest, I still have some of my Christmas stuff up in my home. <laughs> I'm going to get that down quickly because Lent is around the corner. And thinking about this, I wanted to share with you something you might want to think about if you're approaching Lent, especially if any of you are in a small group, uh, either Bible study or men's group or women's group, uh, or maybe just with your family. I have, a, I have a resource that I developed last year with my good friends at Ascension Press. It's all about Lent and it's bringing people into the very heart of Lent. And that's the story of Christ's passion. You know, many of us, we're familiar with the stories of Jesus agonizing in the garden, scourged at the pillar, carrying a cross, crucified on Good Friday. But do we really know what the Bible is saying about all those events? Do we really know the a profound message of love that Jesus is communicating every step of the way in his passion? Do we really know the Old Testament biblical prophecies and, and all the, the amazing, amazing events of Christ's love and forgiveness and healing that he offers us in these stories? Well, that's what we, we go through in this uh, video study that we put together called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. And in the study, we, we actually filmed 
in the Holy Land, right there in Jerusalem. That was one of the most amazing things is that we get, you get to see the very places where Jesus walked and where his passion unfolded. You know, we've heard stories about Christ agonizing in the garden. Maybe you've seen some religious art. We got to go right to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, where it took place. And we got to go right by those olive trees that, that, that are hundreds of almost a century old, but the root systems go all the way back to the time of Jesus. And so it's amazing that when you, you touch these olive trees, you, you come into contact with something from the life of Christ himself. And to think that Jesus came here and he agonized in the garden here and he sweat drops of blood for me here, uh, it's quite moving to go in these very spots where Jesus's passion took place. And that's what we do in this five-week study. It's called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. And so if you're wanting to get your mind focused in the Lenten season and get your family to rally around something, maybe that would be something that would be a helpful resource. Or if you're in a small group or Bible study, maybe you could check that out. You can find it at ascensionpress.com. Or you can go to my website, edwardsri.com, edwardsri.com, and you can check out that study, No Greater Love. But let's turn to one of those characters in the Lenten story, right? Let's turn to Pontius Pilate here. And and I want to really just think through what he did, because those are the kinds of things we can find ourselves tempted to do. You know, Pilate wasn't completely clueless. He was a smart man. He was a a, a very able leader. He is the Roman governor. He's the one that Caesar puts in charge of Judea, the land, the region around Jerusalem uh, on his behalf. And so Pilate's the Roman governor and Pilate's used to dealing with revolutionaries. He, He deals with people that are trying to topple the Roman government, trying to, you know, get the Romans out of the the land of Israel. And he's used to dealing with revolutionaries all the time. So when the chief priests bring Jesus over to him, Pilate can quickly look at Jesus, assess him and realize this is not a revolutionary. (laughs) This is not a real threat to Rome. He realizes the real reason the chief priests are bringing Jesus to him is because of envy. That's what the Bible tells us. And Pilate picks up on this. He can see the dynamics and go, they're just envious of this popular teacher and healer. uh, And it's causing some tension there. He sees the truth. Jesus is innocent. Jesus is not a threat to Rome. This is just about envy. And yet Pilate ends up not doing the right thing. Why? It all has to do with his fears. He's afraid that a riot might break out. He sees the chief priest stirring up the crowds, getting the crowds angrier and angrier. And at a certain moment, we see the crowds shouting out something that just is too much for Pilate to bear. The crowds say, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Now, at first glance, we might just read that and say, oh, they're just going to say you're not a friend of Caesar, but we don't really know the background. I want to give you the background because that language of being a friend of Caesar is very important to the story. In the first century Greco-Roman world, we know that that idea of being the friend of a king, that was an expression used to describe a special group that was honored by the ruler or the emperor or the king. They They were honored for their loyalty. They were given extra authority and they were considered trusted advisors. They were part of an inner circle uh, of trusted advisors for the emperor. And we know this is the case certainly in Rome. There were the friends of Caesar, the friends of Augustus. And and so when Pilate hears that they're saying, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. 
he he sees that they're threatening him, uh, and, and they're they're chart they're striking right at the core of Pilate's very identity as the Roman governor and his status as a friend of Caesar. And he's thinking, oh no, they're gonna they're gonna tell Rome and they're gonna let Caesar know I release this man and it'll make me look like I'm not loyal. Uh, they'll say they'll, they'll you know they're basically going to point out that any leader that releases a rival king, a rival to Caesar, is guilty of treason. And 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 Pilate just panics at this moment because he does not want to lose that special elite status, his status as a friend of Caesar, being part of that elite club, that inner circle. So it's more than Pilate can bear. So when that happens, in the end, he caves. But why does he cave? Did he have to cave? See, there's times in life where you or I might be pressured and we might be, you know, be afraid of what's my boss going to think? What's my wife going to think? What are my kids going to think? What's my friend going to think? And I might be pressured to hide the truth or not do the right thing. But here's, here's the difference between Pilate and the faithful man, the virtuous man, the courageous man. You see, Pilate is not grounded in truth. You know, for Pilate, the idea of a real truth objective truth. And what I mean by that is a truth that's true for everyone. For Pilate, that's just not important. You know, uh, he knows Christ is innocent, that those are the facts. He knows Pilate, that he knows that Jesus isn't a real threat to, to the Roman empire. He knows those facts, but if there's no truth, if truth is relative, if everyone just makes up their own truth, then none of those facts matter. And that's what happens with Pilate, right? When Pilate, is, we get this glimpse in the trial that when he's talking to Jesus and saying, who are you? And Jesus says, you know, this is why I came into the world. I came in the world so the world may know the truth. Christ comes to reveal truth. That's what he tells Pilate. And Pilate gives that famous sarcastic response, what is truth? What is truth? For Pilate, real truth, a truth that's true for everyone doesn't matter. He can see facts. This man's innocent. He shouldn't be crucified. But for Pilate, he has his own truth. <laughs> his own truth. What's his own truth? That the crowds are getting ready to riot. That they're shouting out he's not going to be a friend of Caesar. He's got to protect his status. He's got to protect his relationship with Caesar. He's got to protect his reputation. That's Pilate's truth. And so with no truth to guide a man, he'll end up always going to whatever is in his own self-interest instead of doing the right thing. You see, with no truth to guide Pilate, no moral compass, no nothing there to anchor him, he ends up panicking and under the pressure, he, 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 he can't withstand the pressure. He doesn't have the courage to stand up for the truth. And so he sends an innocent man off to be crucified. And the same thing happens in our own culture today. Do you want to be like Pilate? When you're in your next conversation with your friend or your coworker or your family member and some moral topic comes up, do you want to be like Pilate and, and not stand up for truth? Yeah, this is what happens. If we don't stand up for truth in little things, then we won't stand up for truth in bigger things. Like if there's no truth, if, if everyone just says, oh, well, you know, I believe this, but if other people want to believe this, then we can't say anything is wrong. We can't say anything is wrong in this world. If there is no truth, we can't say, for example, that a father who leaves his wife and kids and runs off with some other woman has done any harm. 
We can't say that. We, you know, even though the wife and children are suffering immensely because of this, we can say, well, I mean, maybe you wouldn't do that, but for him, his truth is uh, he didn't like his wife, or his truth is this other woman was more attractive and he likes her better. That's his truth. Don't judge. Don't make any judgments. You know, or we can't say in, in a culture that doesn't believe in truth, we can't say that uh, neglecting the poor is a bad thing. We just say, well, you know, it's unfortunate there's all these poor people, but that's their problem. You know, I've got my own life. That's my truth. I've got all these resources. No, that's not a Catholic understanding. No, we, if we're blessed with certain treasure, certain wealth, certain resources, that's not for me. No, no, all, all that I have is meant to be used for the common good. Yes, it's mine, but it's mine to share. That's what, what it's for. To just, and I might need to make sacrifices to help other people. I'm in solidarity with the entire human family here. That's a Catholic understanding. But in our culture today, people say, oh, what is truth? I don't have to care for the poor. Or you think about what we were remembering just recently, the, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and, and you think of the millions of babies who've been aborted in a culture that doesn't believe in truth. A culture that says, you know, what is truth or what's true for you isn't true for me. Well, we can't say that the killing of innocent babies in the womb is wrong. We can't say anything is wrong. And here's why. Here's the heart of the matter. You know, especially for us as Christians, truth is not just an abstract concept. Like when we fail to stand up for truth, it's not just about, oh, I, I, I didn't stand up for that that, that principle in this book, you know, point number five in some rule book, <laughs> you know, or I didn't stand up for this law in this law book. That's, that's not what it's about. It's much more personal than that because for us as Christians, truth is not an abstract concept. Truth is a person, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the truth. He's the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one who said on Good Friday to Pilate, right? He came so the world may know the truth. So, Jesus is the truth. And so when I fail to stand up for truth, it's not just I'm failing to stand up for abortion is wrong or marriage is between a man and a woman. I'm failing to stand up for Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And when we start allowing that, that, little, that, that little cowardliness to creep into our hearts, we start putting a little, uh, a little gap between my relationship, between me and my, and, and my Lord. My relationship with Christ suffers when I fail to stand up for the truth because he is the truth. Now, I hope, you know, of course, we, you know, this is not a call to just go around and just wear, wear truth on your sleeve and punch people with it. <laughs> you know, that's not what I'm saying. You know, we, we have to be prudent in when we talk about the truth. We have to be always compassionate, always humble, you know, and I've written a whole book on this. You can check it out. Who am I to judge? We talk about practical ways to talk about truth with great humility and compassion and love, of course. But today I'm concerned that there are too many Christians that are afraid to stand up for truth. I'm going to give an example here. Years ago, I was giving a talk and it was a talk with uh, probably hundreds and hundreds of people in the room. And they were from all over the United States. It was at a conference. And these were people who loved the Bible. They loved the Catholic faith. They were practicing Catholics. Some of them went to daily mass. And, you know, we were, they were all on fire, you know, really, it was just a very impressive group of men and women. But when I, I talked about this point, I talked about the need to stand up for truth. It was interesting when I said, we have to stand up and be with Jesus for, you know, stand up for human life, you know, and pray for an end to abortion. And they all cheered. Everybody in the room cheered. Like, yeah, 
die and we have to stand up for the truth that, you know, Jesus Christ is, is our Lord and he's our savior. They're all cheering. Yeah. And we have to stand up for the truth, the truth of marriage in our culture where people are trying to redefine what marriage is. And then there was half of the room applauding. Now that's interesting. That's interesting to me that the, again, these, I'm not talking about people that are out there, you know, atheists and, you know, not religious people, secular people. I'm not talking about that. I was, and I'm not, I'm talking about people that are very involved in their faith, very involved in their love, you know, for the Lord and doing Bible study together, all these things. I mean, so very impressive men and women. And yet half of them, when it came to let's stand up for the definition of marriage, didn't clap. Now, no one came up to me and said they were angry, but you could tell that was hard. That was hard for them. And, and when that happens, I mean, that, that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants Christians to silence their witness. He wants Christians to be afraid to stand up for what's right and wrong, right? You know, you know when Jesus talks about that in the sermon about be light to the world, the early church fathers saw that when there's problems out in the world, when there's darkness in this world, when there's evil reigning in this world, when there's so much moral confusion in this world, we shouldn't look at the world as the problem that we should look at. It's probably because Christians are failing to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth that they were meant to be. So my friends, don't be like Pilate. Don't let your fear of what other people think of you keep you from standing up for the truth always with love and mercy and humility. Again, I hope you know that. Read my book, Who Am I to Judge? talks all about that. But today, I want to just encourage you. I want you to think about a certain situation that you know you're probably going to face sometime this week, this month, this year, when you're back with certain family members or someone in the office tomorrow, you know, whatever it is. I want you to think about that situation where your loyalty and faithfulness to Jesus will be tested. And will you stand up for the truth? I want you to just to pray to Jesus. Jesus, help me to be more of a light. Help me to stand up for the truth in the right way. And maybe the office, you know, sitting around the copy machine isn't the best place to have that conversation. Maybe say, hey, I'd love to talk about this. Let's go for coffee sometime. And you take it out of the office, you do it in a little more uh, little, uh, separate setting and you have more time to think about it. You know, whatever it is, every, every situation is going to be different, but we all need to stand up for the truth, to stand with Jesus who is the truth. Amen. I want to encourage you here, if um, you want more information, again, you can check out that book, Who Am I to Judge? But also, as I mentioned earlier, with Lent coming around the corner, uh, if you're looking for something for your small group or for your family, check out No Greater Love, the video series, and you can walk step-by-step step visualizing Jesus's passion and understand the biblical background. So check that out, No Greater Love. You can find it on my website, edwardsree.com. You can find it at ascensionpress.com. And you can always reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless.